This is the Introvert's Bubble with Anang of Courageous Creativity, telling introvert stories, pushing ourselves to have more adventures and misadventures and to grow. Living life how we need it. As always, rating the podcast on any of the apps you listen to is always appreciated. everyone. Today I got a good interview for you guys. I have Rebecca Weber here who is also a journalist and a running coach and she also has her own podcast. So thanks for coming on Rebecca. Oh it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yep I just I'm glad to have you on because I I like talking about other um other careers that people have because of course I talk about being a small business owner or a side hustler and everything else but having people do kind of more regular jobs and how they live with it as an introvert is, I always find very interesting. So how did you start off as a journalist and a writing coach? Well, that's a good question. And I actually had one of those, you know, I I actually don't think of my job right now as being that regular (laughs) Um, because it seems in contrast to so many other people where they, you know, go in and have the commute every day. But I originally had a background in education. I taught English for a while and I took a semester off. It was really only supposed to be one semester to take a job editing to sort of see how it went because I thought that I liked that and maybe I would be good at it. And that was a really long time ago. I wound up editing for a few years and then I went, I started freelancing on the side, when I was at that editing job, I sort of hoped that I would get some opportunities to write. There were very, very few opportunities there for me to write because they worked with very experienced, uh, you know, journalists who were well into their career. They didn't really have that much need for me to write. So I started freelancing on the side and then I left that job and have been freelancing full time since 2004. It's a really long, it's 15 years that I've been um, freelancing full time. And wow. <laughs> at, yeah, <laughs> in, um, and then I started, so I was doing that for a long time and really just sort of turned my back on education. I did write about education sometimes. It was one of the topics I really enjoyed covering, but I didn't think about myself as being an educator or a teacher anymore. And a few years ago, I somehow started to think, well, maybe I could start to share actually some of the things I've learned working as a writer with other, with sort of, you know, with my colleagues who were struggling with certain things. I think I'd be able to teach them things I've learned so much because I sort of had to teach myself so many things. And so then I started letting people know just by email in some of the writers groups and, you know, I'm available, I can help you with your writing. And um, that has just sort of grown organically on the side for the last few years. I think that's about four years or so now. And I sort of do that mostly remotely. Um, well, I do my writing mostly remotely as well, I guess you could say. Most of my clients are not people I actually get to meet in person, um, both with the writing clients as well as with the coaching clients. Which is nice. And so that you, did you want to, to turn it that way to be remote more for, because it works better for you or just kind of how, kind of how it happened? I think to a large extent, it's the nature of freelancing. When, when I was at that full-time job, when I was editing still, I had this job as sort of an assistant editor. I was living in Washington, D.C., and one of the things that I really didn't like about the job, this was not enough of a reason for me to quit or anything, but one of the things I really didn't like about it was that I worked in this 
extremely large office and my desk was actually in this very exposed public space or a lot of other people in the room and actually my immediate back like right behind my chair was basically on the edge of a corridor <laughs> of like a hallway and so I just felt very very exposed and I, I found it just difficult to be um, that that physically out there all the time and one day a week I had the option to work at home which I did and I loved and I found that I was so much more productive on that one day a week, not only because I didn't have to dress up like with pantyhose and, you know, sort of walk to the, um, you know, walk to the subway and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, I saved time, but also just, I didn't have to deal with people for the most part during the day that they, or rather I could deal with them at sort of these pre, a lot of times I'm going to call you at 10. I'm going to call this other person at two. And other than that, I just have to can focus on my own work deeply. And I could see that that was really a work style that worked well for me. And I also knew when I started freelancing on the side, I still had the regular day job and started freelancing. Then I also was able to do it at night. And I really am more of a night owl. And so I could see that that was also better for my being able to be more productive. And I just thought that it suited me really well. So I anticipated when I was getting ready to leave that job and to freelance full time, I anticipated that um, not that being able to work with people more to my schedule, not to say that I'm not accommodating and flexible, but that I don't have to be in somebody else's space eight hours a day. And that I can sort of say, you know, these are the times I'm available and sort of group together times that I think will work um, for me. And so I, I feel that that has been really, really helpful. And one of the things I really enjoy about the the structure for myself as an, as an introvert. Yeah, that is very I've only had to be in one job. It was literally only a week. I was doing like a temp thing where I had to be in a room like that. And I was okay for the first day. But like being in there over and over again with all that chatter and that noise and people just always around you and always hearing each other. It, that was definitely hard on me. Like I, I have a little bit of a sensory overload with that. And I'm not all introverts have that problem. But it's like, yeah, having that constant noise and that constant everyone around you was definitely overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that for me, one of the hard things was that sort of the chit chat that you were supposed to make. I don't know if maybe this is just being socially awkward, which has nothing to do with being an introvert per se. But I just found that sort of having to make all these little interactions with people spontaneously, I found to be just very challenging. You know, I would often find that at lunch, people would say, oh, come on, it's going to be like, I really, this is my only half hour to be by myself. Um, and I could go and find a little quarter, you know, a little corner in the cafeteria, or sometimes I would just go and walk because even though you're outside, you really are alone. Like nobody's trying to talk to you while you're walking around. Um, so, yeah, and I think that that thing about the sensory overload is very real. I mean, I generally work with out music. I don't have a TV running in the background or anything like that. Like, usually my space is actually very, very quiet. Sometimes I put on music. Sometimes I work outside and there's those natural sounds. But, yeah, that's sort of that overhearing lots of little bits and pieces of a conversation I find very, very distracting as well. Yeah, I've had that sometimes like that. Where sometimes I'll, have, I'll just put on some music, but it has to be like – very soft kind of, I guess to say the soundtracks like movies that have just kind of mm. very relaxing things and they don't like take over what's going on in your brain. But th- there are some days I got to have quiet. I close the door. Yeah. I close the vents. Like even having the heat or AC turn on in my house, like that's too much noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, as long as you can find those, if when you have those control of those kind of sensory details that really can support you, I feel like that's when you 
are also just very, very in touch with what you need and being able to respond to it. It makes you feel sort of taken care of if you know that you're supporting yourself in a special kind of a way. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of struggles have you had starting out as a journalist and as a writing coach, whether or not it's related to being an introvert? Yeah. Um, good question. I mean, I think starting out as a writer, as I said, because I didn't come from that journalism background and, um, you know, I didn't have the formal training. I think I probably made just about every kind of mistake under the sun. And when, um, with writing, you know, it's both really learning how to do the kind of writing that people wanted and would pay good money for being able to do it well and consistently and all that, but also, um, being able to figure out how to run a small business at the same time. I think that, to be honest, I think that working as a freelance writer, it is a much leaner business than many other entrepreneurs have. Like, I think I've actually really come to see that as I've added in the writing, coaching, and teaching classes online. I'm like, oh, this this is a much more robust type of an entrepreneurial experience than just um, the freelancing. But I think, like, for example, one of the things that comes to mind with um, you know, sort of problems or mistakes that I made um, with the writing I think initially I thought I was a much better writer than I actually was, which is an interesting kind of mistake. And I don't think it was necessarily a bad one to make because it sort of gave me the, um, how can you say, like the, the, um, the, the, the guts or the chutzpah to keep going um, and to sometimes to be approaching publications that I wasn't really ready for. Um, but I also then made mistakes in terms of, you know, really not being able to figure out what's a good story idea. Sometimes one of the classic things with, with, you know, a good proposing a good article is being able to see the difference between a topic and a story, like really having a clear angle, really understanding who your, um, who your readers are and, you know, for that particular publication. And I think that those things, definitely held me back um, in some ways, but also because I was making these mistakes and was having to analyze what's gone wrong here, I was able to sort of figure out what, what you know, sort of what possible solutions were. Um, and in terms of writing coach, like being a coach, I think that the main initial mistake that I made was that I thought that what most people would, would want from me was to tell them how to do things. Like, here's how to do this particular thing, which is definitely part of what people want. Um, but for so many people, it's also this aspect of they may actually already know what to do or they may just not be ready to do the thing that you're saying because they're sort of their mindset issues are getting in the way that they are, you know, sort of having issues of self-doubt or imposter syndrome or why me or I'm not good enough or I sent out 10 ideas and nobody's assigned them. You know, so there can be all this sort of side stuff. And as I work with people one-on-one, I was sort of surprised how much they of this they would reveal to me. And I was also surprised to see how much that's actually where they needed the help. And if we didn't address those issues first, then there was really no, I don't want to say no point about talking about what to do, but that if I started in with like, okay, like here's how you do this, um, that they wouldn't actually do it because they were having some kind of block. They were holding themselves back and didn't believe that they were really ready to do it. So I, I definitely have transitioned the way um, I do still teach those things, but they're much more in this sort of holistic context of, of trying to figure out um, how to enhance somebody's confidence in their, in their writing abilities, as well as in their um, entrepreneurial sort of perspective. Yes, I have that definitely noticed that with other people I've known as well as myself. Like, there's always the inner stuff needs to get 
addressed a lot sooner than people think. They're like, oh, I'll get I'll get more confident once I start getting more writing or get more of this. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you won't get anything done until you have, until you know. Like, me starting a podcast until I was like, no, I don't care if I sound awful. Like, my, my voice, like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even listen back on my own podcast. I have someone else listen to me mm-hmm. and edit because I can't. I had to find a way around yeah. it. But it, it works and you have to find a way around what is holding you back. Like sometimes you can't just get over it. And sometimes you do need to like find tricks until you were to a spot that you can get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've done writing. I'm actually in the middle of writing a book for myself. And so I can't, I have to keep reminding myself that this isn't for me. The writing is for mm-hmm. someone else. And I feel like so many people forget that there is an audience whoever mm-hmm. is written out there. Same with any kind of podcast or any really product. It's for someone else, not you. Yeah. I mean, it may also be for you, right? And it's just, it's just that losing that perspective of who is this for right now? Um, and, you know, and really which one you're going to focus on that's actually ultimately going to help you make that that um, that sale or that, you know, that, you know, make sure that you're able to connect with your editor or your reader. I see so many freelancers who come into this work because it provides a lot of meaning for them. You know, it's something that's intellectually challenging. They're really curious about a topic. They know they're good writers. They know that they have this potential to reach a lot of people, um, either to help them or to tell them a funny story or, you know, whatever it is. There's so many different kinds of writing. But then so often there's this sort of, they just, like, as you were saying, you know, sort of start to get in their own way. And sometimes with freelancers, there can be a real kind of desperation that comes in. Like, I've got to sell this. I've got to make this much money. Da, da, da. And suddenly it becomes all about making this sale. And yes, you do need to do that to be able to make a living. But if that's what you're focus on, focusing on while you're writing an email to a potential client, it's, it's going to get skewed. It's not going to come out in the same way as if you're focusing on who your reader is and what it is that you're able to offer them. Oh yeah, definitely. And I have, I have noticed throughout the years that things have gotten a little easier with mm-hmm. people learning how to try all these different things. Like there's a lot more free, freelance work out there. There's a lot more businesses people could try out there. So it's definitely been easier in a sense, but of course it's, now it's kind of like the wild west. There's so much, out there we can try that there's not really any instruction for it. Like everyone else is kind of like, oh, you have a, you get a, you get out of school, whether it's high school or college, you get a job, you stay there until you, until either you die or until you retire. Mm-hmm. And like now it's yeah. like, no, we want, like some of us want to telecommute. Some of us want to just work freelance. Some want to have our own businesses. Some people just want to make just enough to supplement the family income and stay home with their kids. Like there's all these different options out there and it's so much nicer that we don't have to, I guess, sacrifice some other important things in our life. Like for me, like I need to have plenty of time to have quiet. Like I need Mm -hmm. quiet for myself. I need time to read. That is literally like one of my biggest things. Like I I love freedom, like my freedom and reading. And so Mm -hmm. having like, in America, uh, Tuesday is the day that we have a lot of our new new book releases. So, like, I like to make sure I have, like, either Tuesday, all day Tuesday, or Tuesday evening to most of Wednesday, like, off some of the times. So I can um, I can spend a, a, the whole time just reading one book. I'll finish one book in, like, seven hours. 
because I can. Wow. That's fantastic. That sounds like such a luxury. And you are a fast reader. <laughs> yes, I am. My, my, my husband has like a problem sometimes with that. <laughs> like he read the whole Harry Potter series in like four months. It took me like two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, I, I'm actually a very slow reader when I'm reading for pleasure. Like I can actually read documents very fa- quickly for, for work stuff. But when I read for myself, it's slow and I really take into reading in bed in the mornings as my first thing. It's just sort of like my buffer between having woken up and dealing with anybody else in the world. Um, and I find it to be a really nice sort of setup, you know, better certainly than checking my phone or uh, jumping right into email first thing. Yes. And that's something I always kind of tell people. It's like, that don't get on your phone right away when you get up. Like I make sure I get up. I get the dog out. Like, that's kind of like the one nice thing about having a dog is that he's like, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, now. So you get up. <laughs> I get something to drink. He goes outside. I feed him. And then I do a couple things. And then I might check my phone for, like, any emergency stuff. Like, I got an email for an order that didn't go through. Like, where is the shipment at? Or if I have someone who has a question for the conference I have coming up. Like, I can do those things. But everything else is kind of like, nope. I'm going to wait. I get my breakfast. I do a, a workout. I watch my, there's a local morning news that's a little bit later in the morning. And then after that, that's when I go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so much nicer um, having, I being get, a freelancer or being a business owner, you have time to adjust your schedule to mm-hmm. be able to do that. But there's also times where I have to get up at four in the morning to get a, make a call. Yeah. <laughs> that is a little early. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, that's kind of fine. Person. Um, I, I am an I early that, bird. So. Yeah. Yeah, the early bird sounds like a wonderful thing. If if that's the way, you know, it sounds so logical. It's just um, it's something I. That's why I like to do the reading as like a sort of a a wake up kind of a thing for me. Reading keeps me awake. It actually it doesn't help me sleep, so it's perfect in the in the morning. Um, I think that my variation of what you're talking about, sort of figuring out like understanding your schedule, understanding your body, and understanding like how is your schedule going to set up. I'm actually really not somebody who wants to have the same schedule every day. You know, for some people that provides a lot of comfort and I like to have some variation on my days and also really my weeks and months. And so that's something that you can take into consideration when I'm doing my stories as well as sort of, you know, I do actually, despite being an introvert, I don't actually want to stay inside working at home all day, every day. Um, I do want to get out. I do really like doing some on the ground reporting. I think it helps my, writing a lot, you know, when I'm able to go and meet somebody and see them in their environment, they can show me things that it comes, the final article comes out so much better than if I just talk to them on the phone. And also I think as, although I'm, I am an introvert, I'm not on the extreme scale. I do like to have some social interaction, particularly one-on-one. I do much, my ideal situation meeting people in real life is one-on-one. And so I I will look at the kinds of stories that I want to do. And because I often pitch my own stories, I think about what the what the real world reporting is going to look like? How many phone calls will I need to make? How much time will I need to spend either traveling or going and talking with somebody and trying to figure out what the right balance is? I'm not going to schedule that those kind of days for two weeks straight if I can possibly avoid it. You know, I want that sort of interspersed with some you know days that we writing at home or or writing elsewhere. I don't always you know I don't always have to be at home to do it, but that I I don't want to have all my days. Um, out there talking with people in real life. For me, that's exhausting and isn't isn't something that I can sustain very well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely had enough 
people kind of tell me it's like either they love the routine or they don't. I'm kind of back and forth myself. And Mm -hmm. I had like this last weekend, I had three meetups in like a training and it was fun the whole time, but man, was I exhausted. (laughs) Like I had something Mm -hmm. yesterday morning and then I got home before even noon. I was like, I'm going to sleep (laughs) because that Mm -hmm. was a lot of talking. I had like a meetup brunch with a bunch of other creators and business owners I love talking. Mm-hmm. We spent an extra hour and a half that we were originally scheduled for. I had no problem mm-hmm. with it. But it's like after a while, it's kind of like, okay, okay I'm, I'm done talking. <laughs> I'm done seeing people. <laughs> yeah, I've got, um, I've got a conference coming up soon. And conferences are one of these places that um, they're not necessarily, <laughs> you know, they're not like the like glamorous side of doing this kind of reporting, but you can go and meet a lot of different people within a certain industry, like in a very short amount of time. And you do, there is a lot of value making those in-person real life connections. But I know from experience that I am not going to spend, I'm not going to get there at the very beginning and stay till the very end of the day, especially if I've got something else to do the next day that involves meeting other people. Cause like you're saying, it's just, it's, it, it might be okay in the moment, but I will then be depleted. I'll be over. It's too much by the um, by the end of the day or by the next day. Definitely. So I like to sort of have in just enough that I'll actually be inspired and excited and really glad to have made a connection. And then I'm able to just go ahead and start writing and, you know, continue on with things without, without it being um, an overload, I guess you could say. Definitely. <clears throat> oh, sorry. So how did all this stuff lead to your podcast? Oh, that's a good question as well. So um, ironically, I think I was not doing a very good job, (laughs) or I guess I should say there were certain limitations with my sort of weekly newsletter that I sent out. And so this was something that I had started doing a long time ago, probably around the time, I can't remember exactly which came first, but around the time that I started um, coaching and teaching, teaching other writers, initially I was, initially I taught writers class in real life in Cape Town in South Africa where I live and then but I had the idea that like if this material works then I'll take it online and teach a course online and so around this time I also had started this weekly newsletter which people seem to like and respond to but that I felt I couldn't communicate in those emails what I was really doing as a coach and part of that was simply the length and I can't believe I didn't figure that out years ago, but that was part of the thing was that, you know, people, even, even writers who, you know, like to read still, they, you know, they read quite well. They, there's only so long that we want to read a newsletter or an email, you know? Yeah. And so that the, the podcast, even the podcast is relatively short. My podcasts are, are when I'm talking straight, which it's usually me talking. Sometimes I'm interviewing somebody, even if I'm talking for 20 minutes, the number of words there is so much longer than one of my emails would ever, ever be. And so that in the podcast, it was able to be more conversational. And I could also just get into a lot more depth around a particular concept or idea. And like I say, like with the initially, I think when people sort of sign up for my email list or, you know, they sort of are interested in working with me, like, let's find out what she's about kind of thing. I think that they usually are thinking that they're going to get this help with this very specific problem. Like, how do I sell a story or, you know, like something, you know, something very discreet like that. And that in the podcast, I think I was able to give a lot more examples of, you know, here's here are the mindset issues that are related to this that you're going to have to work through. And then once you've done that, here's how to do what you wanted to. And I just felt like there was a lot more sequence. Like with the newsletter, if you didn't get the, you know, last week's 
email because you weren't on the list yet, you were never going to read it. Whereas with the podcast, they can go back and listen again and they can see the titles and, you know, they can sort of put together their own little playlist of what um, makes sense. And also, I think that the, as I said, I sometimes do these interviews with people who bring in an additional perspective and can talk about some of the things that I talk about anyway, but it's always just good to hear, you know, a, you know, a different way that somebody else does, does the same thing. So yeah, it was sort of, um, a, I, I guess it was a really, really slow buildup by the time I actually said, oh, I should do this. I should actually have a podcast at that point when I sort of made the decision, the whole thing crystallized really pretty quickly. I actually knew almost right away exactly what the format would be and how I wanted to approach it. And the response has been really good. Like a lot of the people even who had been on my email list for a long time and were opening those old emails, they said once the podcast after just a few episodes, they're like, you found it. Like this is so much better than the newsletter was. So, um, so that's, that's been, that's been um, good to hear. And I also feel for myself that it's, it sort of has been a, um, a better, a better medium. Although I probably wouldn't have, tried it or figured it out if I hadn't been trying to do those newsletters for so long that weren't that I always felt were not quite working if that makes sense oh I definitely understand like I started the podcast because I needed a better way to connect with my audience and my writing wasn't like my blog posts weren't seemed to translate as well like I am I know I'm not a great writer so I'm definitely gonna be I need a lot of help when I get my book like mostly finished I'm gonna need Mm -hmm. a lot of help for editing and like just giving me better directions, like, um, you missing parts here, or maybe you need a better sentence structure. Like, I'm kind of, part of it's actually written, and part of it's uh, dictation, so mm-hmm. I'll definitely be, need a lot of help there. But this is, this medium seems to help a lot more, because you can listen to it on your desktop or your phone, you can save it on things mm-hmm. and listen to it later, so you don't have to have internet, and it's global. While, like, we're mm-hmm. writing, it's a little harder because some people... I, I feel like a lot more people can speak and understand English than they can read it. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. And I actually have and a very big following in, like, Norway and Sweden. Hmm. I know. <laughs> like, I, I I looked at my analytics and everything else, so I'm kind of like, wow, that's a big group of people there. <laughs> Do you have a theory as to why that is? Do you have some kind of Scandinavian content? or um, Yes and no. Uh, Scandinavian... Um, culture is a bit more introverted just like japan is like america is very big like extroverts are the cool and the smart one yeah while like norwegian swedish sweden japan japanese like they all have more of an introverted sense they don't need to be so loud they Mm -hmm. like to have like like to have things kind of just whatever needs to be said can just be said we don't need to elaborate or anything so that's kind of their culture and i feel like that made it a little more more likely that they are okay to listen to that. And I feel mm-hmm. like they, honestly, I had some people actually kind of like, I like your humor. I'm like, I didn't realize I had like a lot of humor in my episodes, but <laughs> I, my they personality is a little, is a little quirky to them, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so I guess it might be the entertain, entertainment value to them. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's so interesting. And it makes a lot of sense the way you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I did, um, um, I read the book quiet that has the mm. book about, all about introverts. Any introvert knows that book pretty much. And she does yes. talk in there about the other cultures that have more introverted like sense in their culture. And I was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense once I did that. and 
Yeah, I remember when, when I read that book. I was I was living in Cape Town when I read the book, and in a lot of ways, it was you know I grew up in the United States, but have lived abroad for a long time. And so when I read it, it was in some ways it was almost like a primer on here's what American culture is like, you know, because it was so it was so U.S. centric in some ways. And I noticed it really gave me this perspective on, well, first of all, in South Africa, there's 11 official languages. So communication is kind of an issue. Right. And and I really only speak English. Um, and most people speak English as a second language. So you're often communicating with somebody who's being kind enough to accommodate me. Right. <laughs> but it's yeah. not their first language. And so one of the things that I'm, I've become very aware of is that the perception of Americans, which, what we would often, I think, interpret as like being extrovert is like often interpreted as confidence or arrogance even because of like the sort of the loudness and the boldness and the speaking up. Um, yes, <laughs> um, I've been, which, I lived yeah. abroad for a little bit too. And I was like, yeah, they really thought Americans were obnoxious. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not, um, it actually is very interesting to see in the sort of, you know, with the sort of the cultural subtleties. Um, I mean, obviously, there are introverts and extroverts sort of naturally, I think. But then culture also sort of puts in certain kinds of um, constraints or expectations. Um, um, yeah, that book was fantastic, I'm sure. As you said, I'm sure every introvert um, has read it. But I think everybody who's an extrovert should read it as well because it probably gives extroverts in some ways a better understanding of who these other people are, like that we're not just... I, I remember when I was in high school that somebody in one of my, somebody in one of my classes referred to me as shy, and somebody else turned around and was like, "She's not shy; she's just quiet." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's right." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I had always heard, heard people say I was shy, and so I was like, "Okay, I must be shy." I didn't really feel like I was especially shy, but it was like, "Oh, I'm just quiet," and it's it's actually. I don't always need to be the one talking, which I think is partly why I do enjoy the writing and being, this is actually very unusual for me to be being interviewed. It's usually me asking the questions and allowing, you know, sort of being allowed to sort of research and write and do these things that I, that I really feel energize me and are close to who I want to be. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's fantastic. Everybody should read it if they haven't already. Yeah, I know it's not it's, it's not very demonizing on either side. That's kind of the problem I've had with some of the other other introvert podcasts as well as books. It was very like psych like there's too much psychology in it. Like I just wanted kind of a everyday kind of take of things, and that's kind of mm-hmm. how I wanted my podcast to be. It's like it's kind of like we're just normal people too. We just have slightly different tendencies. There's nothing like. I'm weird like I'm not a sociopath um but I don't like we're not like cannibals and stuff like that like so I've had some people kind of like you're just so weird it's like no that's nothing to do with introvert I'm just a weird person myself that's nothing to do with being an introvert <laughs> yeah oh yeah no I've had I've had a lot of people at school too like it, it, it especially because people are cruel in schools and they don't want mm. they ever wants to fit in so they got to make themselves feel better by making you seem like you're not one of them either to make themselves feel mm-hmm. better. And it, it, it's strange enough because I had to do so much moving in my life. It was easy for me to learn how to blend in. Mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew how to talk just enough. So I seemed normal enough and that I wouldn't be picked on, but I never was mm-hmm. really good at like making friends. Mostly because mm. I, there were at least like, four years that I moved like six times. So it was kind of hard to, want to make friends because I'm like I'm just gonna be leaving here in like six months (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a very difficult situation, especially when you're sort of also like when you're relatively young and sort of trying to figure out who you are in these different situations and not knowing that there's not going to be longevity there. That's that's especially tough. Yes. And that's kind of the thing with some introverts that if you have enough friends out there, you, you get out of your shell. You get better at socializing. You get better at different things. But when you have too many people telling you that you're all these certain things, that does stunt us. So it's kind of like, I keep telling some of my extroverted like friends and family, it's like saying that to an introvert is actually making things worse. Like you're going to make them less want to talk to you less, talk in general, do things with you guys because you're going to be insulting. Like who wants to be around people who are going to insult them? Yeah, no, definitely not. You know, um, the, the, I remember with the, with the um, book that there was that questionnaire, that she has a Susan, Susan Kane, the writer. Yes. Um, so, and I remember being really surprised when I took the, the quiz, cause I expected, that's what I said earlier on, like, I'm an, I'm an extrovert, or rather I'm an introvert, but I'm not an extreme thing. I expected I would be on the extreme end of being an introvert. And actually I wasn't, I was sort of, you know, I was an introvert, but you know, I was sort of a mix. And, um, and I wonder if, part of that like sort of internalizing as you're saying like you know you sort of internalize when somebody criticizes you for your own personality right it's like it's pretty harsh and I I wonder if I in some ways had sort of like you know sort of more clearly seen myself as an introvert almost as a defense against that you know sort of against against the people who couldn't accept and appreciate me for who I was yeah definitely all right, um, just before we forget again, what was the name of your podcast? People can hear that. Oh, yeah. The podcast is called The Writing Coach Podcast. Okay. It's pretty simple. And um, it's, it's on all the, all the podcast apps pretty much. Yeah, I like to make sure I put that on there. So, I mean, thank you for coming on. If anyone wants to hear more from you, I will be having your website, all your social media links in the show notes as well as on the blog post. So you'll be able to connect Wonderful. on that. So um, thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, thank you for coming on. This was definitely really helpful to for other people to see that you can have a job that a lot of other people can do in your own way. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. All right. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for the links to the blog and my Patreon, where you can get more info, check out products. Hit me up on Instagram at the Introverse Bubble or Courageous Creativity. 